the one is all things, all life, all love. We all come together in the form of energy, though we may exist on different vibrations. Our sound is one, our unity is one, and our life is one. Keep shining. about 30 minutes late tonight. 
we have some technical difficulties. I got locked out of the studio. Um, I'm still locked out of the studio. I'm actually calling on my cellular phone. So, unfortunately, tonight we will not have our guest. Um, I'm very saddened by that because I was really looking forward to talking to Mama Ayana. But it's all good because I spoke with her and she said she can call in on Wednesday. And so very similar to last week, we will have a part two. So um, I'm definitely uh, looking to see what other options are available for podcasts. Uh, I've pod, Blog Talk Radio is pretty much um, what I know as far as blog talk and podcasts go. And so I'm, I'm somewhat comfortable with Blog Talk Radio, but, you know, change is good. And so um, this is just not conducive. It's really not. And um, it's not fair to my guests who are very busy people and have their own lives and, you know, take time out of their schedules to to participate in the exchange. And it's not fair to me because, honestly, all I'm paying for Blog Talk Radio. So to be kicked out of the, the studio more than once and to not be able to have access to, to my services is very problematic. And so if you have any suggestions, uh, feel free to shoot me a text, 713-338-9343, or you can send me an email, circlesister13 at gmail.com, and um, just give me some suggestions. I'm asking around to see what else is available. Ideally, I would like to be able to um, broadcast from my from my website. Um, the good thing about Blog Talk Radio is I am able to the the archives are all on the website. They're all at um, they're all linked. Well, actually, it links back to Blog Talk Radio. I'm also on iTunes. Circle Sister Thirteen. If you go under the blog. Um, the the podcast and do a general search Circle Sisters Thirteen. You can find me on iTunes as well. But yeah, look for look for some change in the upcoming weeks once I figure out what works best and and um, what I'm able to navigate successfully. Because like I said, I'm not the most techie person, um, but you know I'll figure it out because this is just not working the way. Uh, yeah, today was pretty awesome. It, it was definitely pretty awesome. Today was a solar eclipse and, um, prayer. Lunar eclipses happen a little bit more frequently than the solar eclipse. Um, and so that was pretty exciting. Uh, I didn't really catch the major show. Um, Texas wasn't really part of the line of um, trajectory, I think it's called. But um, I saw a little bit. <laughs> I saw a little bit. I lived life on the edge and, and kind of looked up at the sun with, with my eyeballs. And, um, that was interesting. At one point, um, I think I did it too soon, and I did have a blind spot. and. <laughs> Uh, I think I felt nauseated. The intensity was just a little bit much, uh, and so I was like, "Okay, that wasn't that wasn't a good idea." And then when um, I noticed that the sky was getting dark, the sun was still out. There was nothing covering the sun if you looked with your naked eye, um, but this, it was just getting dark. And so I said, oh, "Okay, this must be it." 
And then when I looked online, I saw, you know, I saw the images online. I was like, okay, so let me try it again. So it was some cloud coverage, and I looked up, and that was not an issue. And then, um, you know, I just took my time, and incrementally, I looked closer, 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 closer. And for about 1.2 seconds, um, I was able to see, and I promise you, I did see the eclipse. You know, I thought maybe my mind was playing tricks on me because, you know, I was like, okay, you just want to see an eclipse so you see it. But then when I saw the images from other people who used, you know, different filters and things, it was the exact same image that I saw. So I did see the eclipse. I did see it with my naked eye. Um, according to Facebook, I'm going to get glaucoma in the next 20 years. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of people walking around with glaucoma um, who have not, you know, looked at the sun. And, I mean, whatever. Just give me a medical prescription for marijuana and I'll be good. No, not really. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want glaucoma. It ain't that serious. Oh, I can just move. But, but no, nah, I'm, I'm being facetious. But I did look at the sun. I did see it. And, you know... Hopefully, I won't leave my vision no time soon. I rather like to think that my vision has increased as opposed to decreased. But, you know, time will tell. But what I do want to say is um, everybody was like, the sun, the sun, the sun. But for me, a child of the moon, uh, the moon the moon is, is was, was the hero today. You know what I'm saying? Today, everybody was talking about the sun and shit. The moon was the one who did all the work. The sun just sat there. <laughs> the moon was the one who blocked the sun. I think that's big things. And so, um, yeah, I would say since it's a Monday and since the moon um, got a chance to to to, to be the be the be the bigger boss today, um, definitely as you do your rituals, as you prepare to rest, make sure that. Um, you know, you, you, you go deeper, 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 deeper into your own darkness. And so real brief, so I don't have a guest on the show, but I did want to take advantage of this time. So let's talk briefly about darkness and what exactly that means. And then I'm going to read um, from the book. We got to go ahead and, and, and read and get this book finished because if not, we'll be here forever. Um, like some of these books, some of the books in my house, I promise you, I've been reading for the past two, three years. Um, so I'm reading like um, one, two, three, I'm about three books right now. Um, and I'll read them, you know, as time allows, but eventually you got to finish the book. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so darkness, um, it can, can mean anything to be completely honest. It's, it's really up to the person, um, it's up to the person who is, is 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 um describing it, but let's just look up darkness on the computer definition. And so let's just see what the common um understanding of darkness is, okay? So when you want to know just the basics of something, just look it up. It's it's really quite simple. Get you a good dictionary and look it up. So um we're gonna go I'm online. I'm gonna go to Miriam Webster. I guess we can go to Oxford. We'll go to Merriam-Webster, then we'll go to Oxford. So Merriam-Webster, which is a reliable source, um, they have been classifying 
and documenting words since the 18, early 1800s, um, as far as English goes. It says darkness. Um, devoid are particularly devoid of light. Not receiving, reflecting, transmitting, or radiating light, as in a dark room. Transmitting only a portion of light, as in dark glasses. The second definition, wholly or partially black, like dark clothing, of a color, of low or very low lightness, dark blue. C, being less light in color than other substances of the same kind, as in dark rum. Three, arising from or showing evil traits or desires, as in the dark powers that lead to war. Dismal, gloomy, had a dark view of the future. Lacking knowledge or culture, unenlightened, a dark period in history. Relating to grim or depressing circumstances, as in dark humor. Not clear to the understanding, not known or explored because of remoteness, as in the darkest reaches of the continent. Not fair in complexion, swarthy, dark skin. Secret, his plans were dark. Possessing depth and richness, a dark voice, closed to the public. The theater is dark in the summer. So that was quite a few, quite a few different definitions, right? All right, let's go to Oxford. So Oxford is going to be more of the Queen's definition, as I say. Um, Miriam was probably going to be more vulgar, and Oxford, I would imagine, would be more um, proper. If it's a lot. So OxfordDictionary.com, darkness, a noun. Number one, the partial or total absence of light. 1.1, night. 1.2, the quality of being dark in color. Number two, wickedness or evil. 2.1, unhappiness or gloom. 2.2, secrecy or mystery. 2.3, lack of spiritual or intellectual enlightenment, ignorance. Okay? So those are just basic definitions. And so you'll see, um, similar to a lot of different words, you'll have different definitions depending on where you're coming from. So if you're speaking of dark as in something visual that the eye would see, it means one thing. If you're speaking of um, darkness as a adjective, to describe something, then you're going to have a whole different definition. And then if you speak of darkness as um, as as a CDC descriptor, um, an actual noun, and then if you think of darkness as just a way of, I guess it's still a descriptor, 
but it's a way of like a veil. It's a way of um, describing something that is pretty much undescribable when it gets to the secrecy and, and the evil and the wickedness to the shadows. So that's what I speak of when I speak of darkness. When it comes to um, moon magic, when it comes to dealing with the moon and those subconscious um, realities, those root chakras, those um, that yasad zone as you're on the tree of life, that you're talking about those things that are unseen, those things that are hidden, those things that are devoid of light. Um, and typically, you know, those are attributed to quote-unquote dark characters, to swarthy characters, because we are a mystery. The continent of Africa um, has been a mystery. It's always been quote-unquote darkness because um, those people who colonized and those people who were not inhabitants and native and uh, those people who were not nobles to that land, it was dark to them. It was very scary. It was very evil because their immune systems were not adjusted to it. So they would go there and they would die. They would get bit by a mosquito. Their cells did not sickle, so they would get malaria. Um you know, they they couldn't stand the heat. They couldn't stand the sunlight. They couldn't stand the water. So all these negative, quote-unquote, negative adjectives were, were ascribed to Africa and to the people out of that continent. And then when they came into Europe, um, and when they first came and conquered Europe, and then when they came and, and brought brought Europe out of the, quote-unquote, dark ages, then it became a whole other can of worms of darkness and secrecy and and um, just negative, negative, let's erase it because it's something that we don't want to talk about. And that's the same thing when it comes to darkness, when you're dealing with your own personal shadows, quote-unquote shadows. So what's invisible, what's visible, what's easy to be seen, what's in the light um, is typically, you know, what people enjoy. The light is the illusion, however, and once you, um, you know, get to the real deal, holy field, that's actually the darkness because um, your eyes can be deceiving. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just for instance, I use today as an example. As bright as that sun was, the first time I tried to look at it, I could not look. I could not view it. It hurt my eyes. My eyes, it was, it was, it was blinding, literally. It was blinding. They were saying, don't look at the sun because you could what damage your retinas and go blind. The light was so bright that nothing could be seen. And the longer you stared at it, the less you would be able to see. Whereas people say, you know, when you close your eyes, you can see everything. You can't see it with your eyes, but you can see it with your quote unquote, your third eye. You can see it with your other senses, and sometimes that's a better indicator. So, for instance, they say smell is probably your strongest sense. And so um, you might look at something, and you think you see something, and if not, you see something, you think you know what you're looking at, right? But your eyes can be deceiving. However, your smell on an instinctual level, it knows the truth. And so whereas you might see a, a gorgeous man or you might see a beautiful woman and your eyes tell you that that's what you want. However, your nose might be telling you to run, run, run. 
because that person might not be good for you. And not, I'm not like being funny, bunny, like the person stinks or something. I'm talking about on an instinctual level, um, your nose might be telling you that that person is not supposed to be your mate or that person is not, you know, biologically compatible with you. And that's when your other senses kick in, your third your third eye kicks in, and you start getting that weird feeling like, damn, she's beautiful, or damn, he's gorgeous. But I don't know, just something. It's just something, like something's telling me that it's not right. That could very well be your your other senses kicking in. That could be the way they sound, or that could be the way they smell, you know, so... I hope that makes sense. So anyway, all that to say, um, on Mondays we deal with those subconscious thoughts. And so the darkness, we deal with those things that are ease, that, that tend to be buried, that we tend not to want to look at because they make us uncomfortable or because um, we haven't fully developed our egos to the point of being able to deal with um, those very painful and hurtful areas that we've, we've um buried in our subconscious. So that could be everything from, um, you know, mother issues, father issues, um, you know, say personal self-esteem issues that could deal with personal, um, it, it could really be anything. It could be, you know, things that happen to you as a child that you, you know, due to trauma and the way the brain handles trauma, um, it, it doesn't. <laughs> the brain the brain finds a way to, to help you cope with that trauma. And so typically either you'll develop a personality to help you cope or you'll completely, well, you won't completely forget it, but you'll definitely bury it. But it's going to resurface in, in your interactions with yourself and with other people. Or it could be, you know, it, it could even be something as simple as, um, there's somebody that you just you just don't like or somebody at work or somebody in your social settings that you just do not fuck with, and you're not even sure why you don't fuck with them. You just know you don't fuck with them. Um, that could be one of those things that you explore on a Monday because you need to understand why. Why do you not want to deal with that person, especially if that person has – y'all don't have any type of interactions, okay? So I'm going to use an example. <laughs> Personal example. So typically, you know, even grown women, you would like to think that at a certain age, you know, this this no longer happens, but it most certainly does. So, um, you know, grown women, especially single women, married women do it too, you know. But single women, you know, there might be some guy and um, he might be the cat's meow. And so all the little pussy cats, you know, are meowing, 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 meowing away. <laughs> And um, and the cats realize, you know, and, and so the women, rather, I'm using myself as an example. So, you know, there might be a guy that I'm interested in and then some of the women that I'm, that I'm also, um, that I associate with. You know, we've, we've all checked, spotted this guy, right? We've all checked him out. And so um, rather than, rather than us, you know, acknowledge the fact that we're all attracted to this man or the fact that that this man is attractive, you know. Um, Rather than acknowledge that fact and be mature about it and just um, go from there and figure out how to problem solve, uh, unfortunately women tend to, their claws come out and (laughs) they start sabotaging each other and themselves. Um, 
you know, and it was just that's that's darkness, though. You know what I'm saying? Because in in actuality, it's not that serious. Like it is, it is, it is. I take that back. It is that serious. However, it's not that serious. And so, what I mean is, um, that's a direct conversation, and that's not one of those things that you know sisters should be in competition for. It shouldn't be. It is, you know, and that's another part of the darkness that it is. Um, but it really shouldn't be because, you know, if he's polygamous or uh, polyandry, I don't know the terminology, but, you know, um, in, interested in more than one person, then that's something that needs to be addressed and dealt with. And then if he's not, that's something that needs to be dealt with. And, and, and then the sisters need to deal with each other on a mature level and not um, set each other up, especially if these sisters are pretending to be about that life of, you know, what I want for my sister, I want for myself, or, um, you know, about the life of I care about my sisters and I wouldn't sabotage them and, and all that, all that. Y'all, I am feeling, oh, my gosh, like this pain in my left side. I don't know who's listening. I don't know if somebody's sending me some some negative vibes or if I'm talking too much or what. Oh, shit, and it hurt. Um, I'm going to call it indigestion, but dang. All right, somebody somewhere did not like that conversation. Well, anyway, I've said enough. Let me move on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, talked about the darkness. So, at the end of the day, long story short, um, take the time today on Monday, every Monday, every day, but definitely on Monday. And today is such the opportune time to figure out, you know, some of those dark thoughts that you don't want to deal with. And um, I'm even going to go even further to say that there is still time that if there are some things that you are wanting to banish, if there are some things that you're wanting to get rid of, if there are just, if, if I would just take one, one or two, one or two things that you've been struggling with or that you've been contemplating on that you really want to remove from your life or you want to remove from your children's life or your mate's life or, you know, just just from 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 the world, you know, if if, if that's if that's what you feel so inclined to do. But take one or two things that you are interested in banishing and under this um eclipse eclipse energy under this dark energy, you want to do some type of banishment ritual and um, just be very clear that once you banish it, it needs to stay gone. And so one of those type of rituals could easily be a fire ritual because once you destroy it, there is no replacing it. And so you literally have to let that go. You know, that's the challenge, but do your ritual, do your fire ritual, or whatever type of, you know, burial ritual, um, you know, whatever, whatever that is, um, do that ritual now. And you can look some things up, and hopefully, you know, if you're listening to my show, you have some reference material that you could go to to find the perfect ritual um, to do that. And if you happen to listen to this show in the next couple of days, if you're not listening on Monday night, then um, remember that the energy – those type of planetary energies last at least three days. I'm learning that um, the bigger the planet, so like your Jupiter and Saturn type um, occurrences, those last, of course, a lot longer. However, something as as quickly moving as the moon, um, it transits about every two and a half days. 
Um, you have a right at about two and a half, three days to access that energy. Of course, you know, the closer to the event, um, the more potent the energy. But you can still get it in over the next couple of days. Tomorrow's the day of war. Tomorrow's Tuesday. So that's another wonderful day to work on your banishment rituals. So hope that helps. <laughs> I'm always just kind of talking, coming off the cuff. So I hope it was clear. If it was not, of course, 713-338-9343, or you can email me at circlesister13 at gmail.com and just let me know. I have no idea what you were talking about, or I'm more interested, or, you know, whatever. Um, hit me up. And um, www.circlesisters13.com is my website. Uh, I blog there, and, um, you know, so check out the website. I do plan on writing more more magic, um, occultic-type posts. Um, it's very difficult, though, I'm going to be honest, because it's a lot. You know, the occultism is it's, it's levels, and it's, it's – um, you can't just really jump into the occult. You kind of have to just study, 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 do a lot of meditation, do a lot of ritual, and then it starts to kind of connect. And so it's difficult to write occultic pieces unless they're just extremely basic. Um, like, just like my decodes. I've had several decodes that I have not been able to write about because I have no idea where to start and how to best express it. Um, like, I have notes, <laughs> and it might just be one of those things where I just take a picture of my notes and just let you kind of sort it out. But eventually I would like to be able to communicate um, communicate my vision and what's given to me so that, you know, someone else can kind of see it from my viewpoint. I'm working on it. I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. So um, it may be one day I'll just talk about it. But I, I know if you've ever had a conversation with me, <laughs> I kind of jump around. I'm very – I'm, I'm kind of abstract. And so um, I kind of get the feeling that if I talk about – if I do a decode orally, um, it might not be clear. But ain't nothing to it but to do it. One of my rituals today, you know, it, it's, it's making me just – just put it out there and let the chips fall where they may. So um, I would love to play a little song right now, but seeing as how I'm on my cell phone and I'm not um, in the studio, I can't, but I can read a little short poem to transition us into the book study. <clears throat> I guess I could sing a little song me, 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 It's in your DNA, child. It's in your DNA. It's part of who you are, child. It's who you are today. It's running through your veins and coated in your blood. It whispers from the grave. It twinkles up above. It's in your DNA, child. It's in your DNA. This is a little bit of my for my daughter when she was first born. 
Um, talk that talk, warm me up. Talk talk that talk, warm me up. Talk talk that talk, talk that talk, warm me up. Funk my mind, and I fill your cup. You know what I like: security and sex, power and will do. It unlocks my girl's legs, <laughs> keeps you inside my mind to manifest your intent. My sacred geometry, my curve and my bend, your diligence and your dedication. The universe rewards our participation, conspiring to aid in the continuation, our continuation, building of our nation. (laughs) That was from August 19th, 2013. Shout out to Faith Memories. <laughs> Let's see if I can pull another one up real quick. I tried to repost them, at least to myself, so that um, I can add them to the book that I've been writing forever. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get there. All right, one more. Here we go. This is also from 2013, um, August 15th. <clears throat> Yee! Ain't nothing nice. Robin Peter to pay Paul. No creative endeavor to produce fiat. Indentured servants exploited for wages. Generational sharecroppers. Debtors for life, baby, baby. Oh, yee. Mama Yansa brings swift changes. This impoverished mind state. Post-traumatic slave syndrome disorder. Carry my intentions, mother of the marketplace. Make me fiercely loyal to my dreams. Bold like your skirt of colors. Breathe life into my enterprise. Clear the way. Great buffalo woman. Omen. With a little bit of honey on the side. Yee. All right. So two poems. And now let's transition into our book. Inanna. Uh-oh. Make sure I didn't hang it up. Let's see how much time we got just to We got about 30 minutes. I have, no, 20 minutes. All right. So, <laughs> so let me get comfortable. Let's see. Am I going to sit on my chair on the couch? I'll sit on the couch. <clears throat> She's just trying to stay woke, but we got to get her back in the habit of going to bed early this week, y'all. Uh-oh. That was my ear. Okay, here we go. The High Priestess at Ur. This is coming from Inanna, Lady of the Largest Heart. Poems of the Sumerian High Priestess, Erheduanana. Erheduanana. There you go. Erheduanana. By um, Betty Deshong Medor. Betty Deshong Medor. Okay. Chapter 6, The High Priestess at Ur. Exactly when Sargon appointed his daughter to the office of high priestess to the moon god Nana at Ur is uncertain. Sargon ruled for 55 years. His two sons ruled one after the other for another 22 years. Sargon's powerful grandson, Narin Sin, followed and ruled for 36 years. Mind you, Narim, N-A-R-I-M, Sin is S-I-N as in sin. 
That's interesting. Okay. As Ed Hedduina was high priestess when Naram Sin was in power, Sargon must have appointed her to the office late in his reign, a judgment borne out by the glyptic evidence, says William Hello. Her position as high priestess in the South gave her influence in the most central organizing institution of the Sumerian people's culture, their religion. Every indication suggests that Sargon appointed his daughter to the post to help solidify his control over the restless and rebellious population of southern Sumerian cities whose traditions differed from those of the Akkadians in the north. In Heduana, stepped into a cultic office familiar to the Sumerians, one they revered and honored. Her appointment by Sargon followed a tradition that had been in place in some form for hundreds of years. Irene Winter argues that the ritual office of in, in what? I'm sorry, y'all. Irene Winter argues that the ritual office of in priestess of Nana had to have predated Ehedunna. I'm not sure what that word is. In priestess. E-N-P-R-I-E-S-T-E-S-S. In priestess. Hmm. Irene argues that the ritual office of in priestess of Nana had to have predated Ehedunna, occurring at least as early as the early dynasty 11, 111 period, and goes on to say, since the really formative period for urban Mesopotamia cult activity seems to have been the Uruk Demdet Nasir period, it would not be entirely untoward to assume that the office of the in priestess and priest would have been in existence as long as the religious system. In the Sumerian religious practice, Male in-priests served the goddess, while female in-priestesses served the gods. They, there were in-priests and priestesses in a number of Mesopotamian cities. For example, in the Urak temples of Inanna and of An, these priests and priestesses served the great gods almost exclusively, not the minor goddesses and gods. Evidence of the cultic tradition in the moon god temple is consistent over the ages so that, as Mark Hall says, evidence from earlier periods indicates the existence of traditions more formally documented in later periods. As already stated, the cult of the moon god appears to reach back into great antiquity. Hall places Nana Suen in the preliterate nomadic period based on his position as god of the herds. The oldest attested appearance of the name Nana is as a personal name on Jemdet Nasir period tablets of Uruk. Nana is the name of the moon god preferred in Sumerian personal names, while the Akkadian-speaking Semitic people preferred the name Suen. Suen occurs in Ugaritic, and South Arabian texts, as well as in cuneiform Akkadian in the earliest written sources, and points to a place of origin outside of Mesopotamia. A third name for the moon god is Ashimbabar. 
It is unclear whether this name referred to a moon god distant from Nana Suen. This name appears on lists of gods from the pre-Sargonic period. While the meaning of the words Nana and Suen are not known, Ashimbavar would mean who walks alone or bull who walks alone in Sumerian, as well as rising brilliantly in Akkadian. The earliest texts list certain professional titles related to personal connected related to personal connected to the moon god personnel, excuse me, connected to the moon god. Among them is a phrase very similar to the one found on the disc of Ehedunana. Nunus Nunus V Nana. True Lady of Nana, or as Reistenholz has interpreted the phrase Hen of Nana, a title Nigal bestows on Eduana that signifies her role as sexual partner to Nana. The phrase in the earlier text, Munus Z Nana, likely refers to a priestess who served in Nana's temple in a role similar to that of the high priestess. However, the role had been envisioned in the past. Ehedunna defined it in a new way with her powerful intellect, her creative gifts, and her capacity for leadership. Unlike her predecessors, she could use the effective tool of the written word to spread her influence and her beliefs. The 42 hymns she wrote to temples throughout the country must have been read to worshipers periodically, establishing Ehedunna as a voice of authority, someone to whom they looked for leadership. Ehedunna's three points to Inanna effectively defined a new hierarchy of the gods, even though her theology was couched in traditional beliefs about Inanna. Ehedunna used her office to create and promote her own point of view, preserving her text for the first time in history on durable clay tablets. The precedent she established strongly influenced the priestesses who followed her, kings who had the power to confer descriptive names to each of their each of their reigns frequently chose a high priestess's name after her inauguration to designate the year implying that her installation was the year's most important event. William Halo says that prestige and influence of the high priestesses during the Sargonic destiny was in some sense unequaled in the ancient Near East. Hall confirms this, saying, the most significant activity undertaken by the kings of Akkad and their successors for the cult of the moon god was the installation of the end priestess at Ur. And Heduana originated and established this new role, perhaps because of her great prestige and the significant political power of Ur after the fall of the Akkad dynasty, the cult of the moon god at Ur became even more central in the subsequent Ur 111 period. It's pretty interesting. Um, hmm. I'll have to think about that one a little bit because it's just interesting that the kings would take on the priestess's personage and her names. Isn't that interesting? Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they take on the names of other priests and other male gods and male males in authority? 
The Moon Temple at Ur. While Enheduanav's influence was felt throughout the country, the locus of her activity was in Ur. As was traditional in Mesopotamian city-states, the temple was the center, not only of religious life, but of economic and social life as well. The temple became an institution that Maysells describes as essential, the temple organization which, uniting in itself cosmological and productive functions, facilitated the the adaption of post-Neolithic settlers to the demanding ecology of the Alavum and its contagious semi-arid extensions. Evolving from the great houses, the supra-household basis of social storage crystallized into the temples at the nodes of agricultural and social reproduction. In turn, the temple served as the cores of the Sinoesis, Cynosism that crystallized into cities. The T-form building of Neolithic Samara evolved into the typical Sumerian household, the Egal, which evolved into the temple, also called Egal. Conflicts between the priestly administrators of the extensive economic holdings of the temple and private landowners arose early in the city formation. Falkenstein suspects that the earliest temples owned all of their surrounding land. Urat-Kagina, the last early dynastic king before Sargon, tried to return privately held lands back to Ningirsuru, the chief god of Lagash. This conflict was intense during the Sargon dynasty and culminated with Narimsen's declaration that he was god of Akkad, whereby he assumed control of the temple as well as the secular political sector. As the end priestess, Enheduanna managed to extensive manage the extensive agricultural enterprise on the land around the temple. The term in refers to the priestly management of the fucundancy of the land. How do you press that word? The fundity. I think I had to say it. Uh, fundity. F-E-C-U-N-D-I-T-Y. The cultivation of crops, the care of livestock, and even a fishing industry occupy large numbers of people working for the temple. Their occupations included plowmen, ox drivers, herders of cattle, sheep, goats, asses, asses, she asses, and pigs, gardeners, fishermen, who were subdivided into freshwater fishermen, brackish water fishermen, and sea fishermen. Others were engaged as bakers and cooks, butchers, brewers, and leather workers, woodworkers, builders, smiths, silversmiths, and stone workers. Falkenstein, speaking of the temple at Lagash, not that far removed or different from the one at Ur, says all of this activity meant that every family was in some way employed by the temple. Mm, interesting. These estates provided the high priestesses considerable economic independence, enabling them to make loans from the temple treasury. 
The temple staff and employees included a large portion of the city's population, for all of whom the high priestess was responsible. Her title in priestess designates a singular purpose. She's the lady who engenders abundance, the ruler over prosperity. Evidence from a later time indicates that the high priestess was active at many levels of economic and social life and could own property and transact business in cities other than the primary court residence. To manage these duties, the high priestess had a large personal staff, cylinder seals of three of Enheduanah's servants, were found in the cemetery of Ern. The seals belonged to the Ada, her steward, Dingir Palal, possibly her hairdresser, and the scribe, Kitish Dung. Enheduanah also directed activity organized around the liturgical year, guiding a large staff of temple personnel, priests, priestesses, weavers, scribes, cooks, partners, and merchants, through the necessary preparations and duties required for the enactment of prescribed rituals. All this activity took place for the sake of one principal outcome, the assurance of gifts of bounty and goodness from the moon god and goddesses, Nana and Nigal. As high priestess Etiduana held the office that directed rituals pleasing to the gods and therefore kept the people safe within a contained, dependable, orderly, prosperous universe. Mm, very, very interesting. So I stopped on page 53. The rest of this chapter um, goes into the moon couple, especially the gods of the moon, which definitely is worth reading tonight. And it also goes into the sacred marriage ritual, which is also definitely worth reading tonight. So, um, then it goes into the Gopar and um, Dream Interpreter, Heroic Priestess Dream Interpreter. So, about five more pages to read. You can read that on your own. If you don't have the book, you're missing out. <laughs> um, I'm going to finish reading, reviewing that, reading that tonight before I hit the sheets. Um, I hope tonight's show. Um, helped you out a little bit, answered a few of your questions. I hope we gave you some more questions as well. Um, it's wonderful to have questions. Um, I definitely would work on defining darkness for yourself. And um, darkness was me catching that pain in my left side when I was talking about women acting cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I feel some type of way about that. I'm going to have to uh, burn some sage and, and, and drink some apple cider vinegar and uh, see what's really good. That's that's no bueno. No bueno. So, um, ladies, I hope y'all don't feel no type of way. If I'm stepping on your toes, I do apologize. Brethren, if I was stepping on your toes, I apologize. No, actually, I don't apologize. I, I don't apologize for that. If I was stepping on your toes, you need to move your toes. How about that? Um, it is what it is. I'm going to take this little apple cider vinegar <laughs> and do a clean, a clean sweep of this house and uh, keep it moving. Oh, yeah. But um, thank you for listening. Apologies. I do apologize for the fact that the sister who was supposed to be on tonight was unable to get in because of blog talk radio funk ass. And um, we're going to work on that, y'all. So. 
Got three minutes. Let me. We're gonna play a different song tonight. Let's leave it on some other, some other piece, y'all. Tender, precious, lovely one. One golden and kissed by the sun. Sun speaking gems fall from your tongue. The fire in me has begun. 